Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. Today, my guest is Andrew Miller. He's a startups guru that I met at a gay networking event. And of course, he's straight, uh, who are, <laughs> which is always um, the, the best people to meet at a gay networking event. Um, he's awesome, though. So uh, he talks all about the world of startups and he kind of travels around the world, works remotely a lot and, and, and works with cool companies and just a fun, interesting guy and uh, a different type of creativity, um, kind of seeing things from their very beginning and uh, blowing them up, making them happen. All right. Before we get to that, I want to get a little plug in for You Don't Know My Life, the game that uh, I co-created with Jeb Havens. Uh, we're expecting the games to be in in mid-December. The 15th is our target date that they gave us. So hopefully they will get here on time. If you want to get a game by Christmas, go to You Don't Know My Life game. Dot com and you can pre-order there. Um, and we're also going to have some extra ones to be selling around. So um, stay tuned about how that's all going to work out. I also want to mention that yesterday we did an event at the Actors Fund. Jeb and I uh, brought the game in to this big kind of um, seminar day, right? So there were seven tables of like uh, 70 people all together playing our game at different tables and they had a blast and it was really cool. So Hopefully we can do more of that. If you know of a company that has a retreat or some kind of fun event where they want people to connect and break the ice and have fun and learn about each other, we've got the perfect game for that. So check it out at youdon'tknowmylifegame.com. All right, that's enough plugs. Here without any further ado, it's Andrew Miller. Hey there, I'm coming to you from a beautiful office overlooking Sunset Boulevard with my guest, Andrew Miller. Hello. This hello. is where you work in this conference room. I feel very like I'm in a Devil Wears Prada movie or some kind of I know, very right? white office building. I take calls from the other end of this giant table that yeah. no one else can see, and it'll just be TV screen and me, and I'll look, feel really important. That's so awesome. It's nice. We have a nice view. See the Netflix billboard over yeah, there? Yeah, for sure. We've got the Viper Room across right the there. street where River Phoenix unfortunately passed away. From I still remember ball. that so you were here? vividly. Yeah, I lived here. That was like one of those the first celebrity deaths where you were like, it was kind of shocking. Like You couldn't quite process it. Um, wow, it you've was, been it here was, a long time. I've been here a long time, dude. I was in a sketch comedy group, and I remember working with them and rehearsing, and we were all processing the, the passing of River Phoenix. I know. So you are a startup marketing guru, right. and I met you at a gay networking event called Start Out, and they're like for gay entrepreneurs, and it is so typical of me to just end up, um, my, the best connection I made was with the straight guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I go to those things. Well, right? I go to, I really love uh, giving my time for free to any marginalized startup focused, tech focused group. I, con I uh, do free consulting for founders of color uh, when I lived in the Bay Area for four years. And I saw that event and saw that organization, which I've since. Uh, joined as well, right? And, um, so you you'd been to it. other events that they'd done up in the Bay Area. No, right? oh, no, okay. not start out. I'd never yeah. heard of them before, okay. but I thought it's an amazing initiative, and I think that people from the LGBTQ community are like very strong and have a lot of perseverance, and that is something that you need in startups as well. So I see that being a really successful uh, organization, and so I wanted to show. And you ended up being the coolest project there. I was the coolest project there, and the only non tech. I think yeah, I was there I was too, very so. yeah. I invited you to our game night. You showed up. It was it's with, an amazing with game. your friend Michelle. Yeah. 
Your right. friend? What's you should, up with that? Why you got to do it in quotation marks? Well, because I couldn't tell if you she guys were is dating. Another, no, she's, she's another, an entrepreneur. She's another startup and founder of color that I give free advice to. She's got a cool project, she's too. She's got a cool project. It, she's also non-tech. She's got a, a bangle, jewelry bangle that holds a hairband. I know. Any, anyone I know. watching, listening every, to this. Every woman that I've told that to, their head literally does explode. Right. And, and it's, it's called my, bangles. Bangle and band, like Aster and Black or yeah. whatever other British sounding Something name. and something. But... Uh, yeah, and it's my dream as a startup person to find a product that you can say a few words about and blows people's mind. And they're like, okay. take my money. And that's really the first one I've seen in a long time where you can just say a few yeah. words to someone and they're like, oh my God, take my money. And so that's why I was like, oh, I definitely want to work with this one, this young lady. And the same goes for your game. It takes a little bit longer to yeah. tell people, but when you just say it's called You Don't Know My Life, people are like, I want to play. Oh, I love it. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would love to pick your brain about that, too, sometime. How did you get into this, this field? So like, I, had a, I, had a, I had a startup in college, and I don't know how, you know, my family's entrepreneurs. My mom and dad, have ne neither of them have ever had a resume or a job interview. My mom had a clothing store when she was, like, 20. Wow. Yeah, in the 70s when you could pay for stuff with your own wages. And, yeah. and you know, she had a clothing store called Brothers Britches. And my dad... Good started, title. Catchy title. Yeah, my dad got a job sweeping the floor at a jewelry store at 14 years old. And then at 30, after saving money for 15 years, opened his own jewelry store. Wow. And has never stopped. He, uh, he, yeah, he's you know small business, which I firmly believe is the best business. Um, and, you know, he's you know loyal customer Right, so they were always their own boss. They were always, always their own boss. And so <clears> my grandparents, aunt, my aunt started a chain of... Um, doggy daycare centers and right sold on. that and so all entrepreneurs in my family and uh i have a natural proclivity to other entrepreneurs as well because of that and so um found a tech guy in college who ended up becoming my best friend and we had a video resume startup in college and uh i ended up getting an international business degree and left the country for a little bit and realized that I liked doing marketing more than being a founder myself. Because right. when you're a startup founder, you're basically committed to this one project, eating, sleeping, breathing one project for however long it fucking right. takes. Yeah. And I'm, I don't have I don't have like commitment issues or anything, but I like I like to uh, be able to jump around. You like more variety. More variety. We're still sense. talking about work, right? No, yeah, exactly. We can talk about it whatever you want. <laughs> no, um, uh, and. Um, yeah, so I basically realized I'm obsessed with the growth and marketing, and that was 12 years ago. So overall, I've been head of marketing of three companies that have sold for millions of dollars. And then after the third one, I was like, fuck this, I can just consult from my laptop and yeah. do whatever I want. So for the last three years, I've just been consulting and traveling the world. But I was already traveling a lot before then, but... You know, now with, with startups and marketing, it's really uh, very data driven and, it's, you know, you can't bullshit it because there's numbers and tracking. And right. It's very quantitative. And so my numbers speak for themselves. And there's a lot of people that throw around the word expert and whatever. I, that's why I try to use guru more. I mean, 12 years of doing something, you're fucking guru. You know what I mean? I but, guess so. I'll take guru. But I don't really good. like the word expert because of how many people use that on LinkedIn. But but yeah, so that's what I do. I, I uh, build, strategize, launch um, optimize and grow startup marketing and, and is there a moment when something's flourishing and you're like my work here is done and then you Absolutely. go to spread your magic dust somewhere else you're like yeah uh, the like moment when they 
when they say, Andrew, we want you to join full time as director of marketing and hire a team. And I'm like, that's um, when the, the dust. I don't, that's like when she proposed, yeah. she's like, Hey, when are you going to pop the question? <laughs> it's in a relation. You should shake that drink up by the way. Oh, okay. But, uh, um, oh shit! This drink. We're at a. We're having a fancy drink at his office. We're at place. the Tinder office right now. Yeah, so every, so anybody out there that knows what Tinder is, I am currently consulting for Match Group, the company that owns Tinder, on launching a new dating app called Crown here in LA. I downloaded it on my phone. I've had a few bugs though. Yeah, to, I'm it's early stages. So I specifically uh, am passionate about and focus my work on early stage startups. And yeah. what that means is. Companies that are still working on product development, but they need some early traction to either prove to investors or prove to the rest of their organization. In this case, it's a big company that's funding this. They need to prove to the organization that the app works. During the product development phase, we have some marketing campaigns going. Yeah. So I like the early stages when things are really scrappy. The app might be shitty still a little bit, but we're out there working with people, getting the feedback, optimizing it, fixing the problems. And then just keep on growing and growing and growing. The little wins are what's really fun. You know, you're popping yeah. a bottle when you hit, we're almost at 20,000 users now, which really? isn't that crazy. But when we're only focused on one city in LA, 20,000 people using the app like every month or whatever is pretty solid. So we're getting there. And um, we have. I like the way it's designed and the way it works. Break it down for the listeners. Yeah, so we believe that there is a cognitive overload in online dating and the average. Um, online dater is now using up to three apps on their phone for up to 10 hours a week. And so Crown is um, a limited time investment dating app. We call it the first ever dating game. But basically every day at noon, you get 16 pre-selected matches and you can only keep four. So you whittle them down two at a time really quickly. And the final four get your crown. They get a message, hey, you've won Dennis's crown for the day. And um, they can basically decide whether they want to chat with you or not. And that's right. all you can do. You go back to your life. You only spend five or ten minutes a day in the app. And you get like two or three or four good conversations a day. And that like, you know, maximizes right. your efficiency. And you know there's nothing else going on there that you, you can... can't like endlessly swipe and really yeah. trivialize the human experience right. because you're just seeing a bunch of stuff. And I definitely don't want to badmouth Tinder or any other dating app. They're all amazing at doing But you what can't get really sucked do. into a vortex. You can get sucked in and, you know, uh, it's very easy to... Uh, I don't know if you know, but um, Apple just recently released a screen time thing. Did oh, you yeah, see yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah, to limit your screen time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm saw, I saw, you know, it's embarrassing, but I spent nine hours last week in Instagram. I mean, granted, some of it is my work. I'm doing discovery right. for for Instagram influencers right. and stuff, and but majority of it is just chatting yeah. nonstop with people that are messaging me from around the world about like marketing questions or right. potential dates when I visit their country or whatever. There you and go. So, so uh, you know, Tinder's much. The, uh, dating apps are much the same. They most of the time is spent chatting. Yeah. And so we're trying to basically let the app do some of the heavy lifting on picking those people for you, so you right. can and minimize the amount of noise. So a few chats a day, meet people in real life and basically get to that end goal faster and so that's what it does. I like this the elimination part of it. It's like it's like you almost have it's almost like a reality show like I'm afraid you're not going to make it to the next round. Yeah, sorry, you've whatever. been dismissed. You've been dismissed. Yeah, it's hard for people. One of the biggest questions we get is what if I like both people or what if I don't like both people? How do I choose? And that's what we're trying to um make them do is you have to choose someone and actually it's the first ever dating app that shows two profiles at once which is a really big deal because we have some we have a on team psychologist um dr helen fisher who says that uh showing two profiles actually lowers the playing field because you're finally comparing apples to apples 
Whereas in every other dating app or, you know, uh, social networking app and anything, you're seeing one profile at a time and you're basically comparing that person to your ideal match. To your fantasy. To your fantasy. And so you're like left, left, left. No, 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 no. And that's yeah. where that cognitive overload of too much thought. Pro we just want to lower your threshold to meeting someone like who do you like more out of these two? And you're actually training the algorithm which, with every decision that you're making. Kind of like yeah. in Spotify, if you yeah. thumbs up or thumbs down a song, it gets better yeah. at recommending music for you. Yeah. So we're trying to do the same thing in online dating. Like this app could figure out that I like ears that stick out. Do you really? I do. I love it. That's so like, weird. Like that. Like, I Man, love I it. have a friend I need to introduce you to. Right? See? Already we're already making Do you just products. like walk by people and you see the light coming through their ears and you're like, oh my god. That is I, what's weird, really you are a weird kid. No, I like dude. I like the ears that stick out yeah. a little bit. Big ears. Interesting. I, I it's funny, I interviewed this um this guy for my podcast. He's a musician. He used to be a uh, a porn star. And he has great ears. And finally I was like, I'm gonna just say something about his ears at the end. And it was a charming exchange. The point is, yes, I like it, I'll own it. Yeah, own it. That's good. the that's the thing, is just really owning what you like. And so online dating is you know I don't like when people are anti-online dating because it doesn't really make any sense to me. If you use Uber, then you should be pro-online dating if you're single because the tech basically just mimics real life and just makes it easier to get whatever you want. So with Uber, you want to get from A to B faster. The app helps you do that than with whether you walk or right. take a taxi or ride a bike. And online dating is the same. No matter what your intentions are, it will get you there faster because rather than going out to a bar and individually meeting 500 people, right. you can sift through people and figure out what you like. So if you have a really specific like, like you like ears of a certain protrudeness. Or yes, I do. Protrudeness, I do. Uh, then, you know, you can just scroll through. You yeah. can't, unfortunately, there isn't a search I mean, it's not the only that. thing, but yeah. it is something that I yeah. do like. And so, yeah. you know, for most people, it's like age, school, geographic location yeah. are the main things. And then beyond that is, you know, I, I like to say like physical is about the first 20%. Yeah. So like people are looking at someone, then they read the bio yeah. and hopefully they've written something in the bio and it catches their attention and then you match and then it's all about how inter interactive you are and yeah. how in engaged you are and interesting. And if that's how you get to the next level, to the phone number, then you, if you in my opinion, you should immediately go to video. Yeah. If you FaceTime or something, then you will instantly win that person's attention because you've moved to the front of the line. Yeah. Um, we actually, as a company, had a video dating app last year that ended up not working out because people aren't ready to exchange videos back and forth. Yeah. Which brings me back to it. If you do it, you move to the front of the line with right. video. So you make it to the video, and then that person likes you. Maybe you chat a little bit on the phone, and then you just meet up like let's just get a drink IRL man IRL and then once you're in real life it's you know is that person's hygiene as good as yeah. it looks in the photos exactly are they you know is there any like really crazy left field thing that's giving you a red flag if not then you know make it to the second date and there you go have there. you had good experiences with online dating yourself absolutely yeah I'm a I'm a prolific online dater since 2006 what's when, your apps actually even I met my first person offline, like as a platonic friend when I was 14 from, yeah. from a neighborhood, nearby neighborhood. I grew up in a really small town yeah. where everybody knew each other. And I remember my parents driving me to meet this girl off, off AOL, like instant messenger. And she was like my best friend all through high school. And, you know, like we never did anything. We were totally platonic friends. Shout out to Kelly Lombardo. Not Lombardo. Shit. That's all right. Her last name. Different Kelly. Right. But, um, um, yeah, so go-to apps, uh, I mean... 
obviously I think Tinder is amazing. Like for even, you know, it's evolved so much that I use it just platonically now. Like right. there isn't really a lot of, so I'm specific about what I like. I, I enjoy spending my time with women of color. And, and yeah. unfortunately in West Hollywood, as amazing as it is, it's not very ethnically diverse. Right. So Tinder doesn't really work that well for me here. I tend to left swipe most of the time. But I mean, from as far as meeting people, I mean, I, you know, it's amazing. I I get I match with people, talk about because I you know my profile is all about world travel and pictures right. of me in different countries and whatever. So people find it interesting, and I get invited to parties and match with girls, and they're actually taken aback at how unthirsty I am. I'm like, hey, right. I'm just looking for platonic friends that know about yeah. cool parties and stuff, and they're like, you seem interesting. Come to this party. So Tinder's great for meeting people, but for me specifically, I use an um, an, an app called BLK. I've never heard of that. It's it's also owned by Match Group. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really a good app if you um, like uh, women, of, women, women of African descent. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, of certain affluence and education and badassness like I do. And so that's a really good app. Um, but there's an app out there for everybody. I don't know. Have you heard of Chappie? I think I told you about it. You told me about it, but I haven't explored it. It's, the, it's not owned by Match Group, so I shouldn't talk about it. But we don't actually have a lot of apps catering to the LGBTQ community yet because it's a, it's a totally different ballgame, yeah. as you know. Um, but uh, Chappie is the first ever relationship app for uh, gay and I think bi as well people. But uh, More so as opposed to a hookup app. Yeah, which is the entire culture. So right, you know, right, I have many, right. many, many, many gay friends. So what that would Chappie? How would it look different? The I think different, uh, I actually haven't used it, obviously, right. but but I, I I've sent it to many friends and I haven't yeah. heard any bad feedback. But what I think is they have a strong, strict policing system yeah. to where it's you know like not rush to dick pics right away. So yeah. I remember I had a recent roommate here um, in West Hollywood who was upset because he really liked a guy and the guy just was like all about the dick pic dick I pic, don't dick like pic. a dick pic out the gate. I right. had that happen today. And that's like, hey, hi, thanks. You get, dick pic. No. I don't want that, man. Yeah, so that's the thing. And Although I guess some people are like, just send me the dick pic. Well, you don't you know, you want to get it out of the you know, even when I try to talk to ladies like with that aggressive like, hey, I just want to make sure you know how valuable I am. Here's this picture. They're like, no, ooh, I want more than that. I'm like, I understand, but I'm just trying to save you time. Do do straight people like dick pics? Do straight women want dick pics? Not really. Yeah, straight I don't up, think so. no, they don't. And that's why um, in the gay community, you get two male testosterone filled, right. you know, like uh, thirsty inv- uh, yeah. actors or uh, sides, and that's when it can blow up. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying it's totally different. But so this app is trying to, you know, give gay men a safe place to actually start meaningful conversations for relationships but that's not to say that i don't know so many couples that have started on grinder i mean i, yeah, I was just visiting course. a friend in mexico its, its, they're yeah. in a long-term relationship and he was the first ever person i mean my friend ben came out went on grinder the first person he ever met they're in a long-term relationship together amazing couple i'm thrilled but, for them yeah Right okay, right? Really? You seem like you're sarcastic. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, yeah. a sarcastic. I'm a little sarcastic. No. I'm a little bitter. <laughs> okay. I yeah. also love your travel lifestyle where you'll be working on a project and you'll just be in like Dubai or someplace. Yeah, well, uh, startups are more of a meritocracy than corporate America. And right. it's not about like, you know, there's still some old school companies, but most startups are like fucking get the work done or get out of the way. Yeah. And, you know, I've been doing it for... 10 years or 12 years. So I, my work, my work speaks for itself. So right. you're not going to tell me where I need to be. I'm just going to, you know, if you, if I want to work with you and you want to work for me, I'm going to work on my own terms and we're going to crush it. And so 
I'm lucky enough. I've been in the game long enough to where I can set my own terms. But um, yeah, I'm location independent. I got a nice MacBook and really nice phone. And as long as I have Wi-Fi, I'm fine. When I don't have Wi-Fi, when it when it craps out, I am like. Because hearing like a that, baby I was a, having like anxiety for you, imagining you having a, an important deadline and not being able to find Wi-Fi or walking around a hotel looking for a hot spot. Yeah, like, so I have images of the, you. You know, uh, I was in Cuba for like two weeks a couple years ago, and you know that was the last time I go to a place with really really bad Wi-Fi because I was just you know I don't even like being offline. Um, last year, early last year, I was in Zanzibar. And I lost my phone, and I didn't Uh-oh. bring my laptop on the, that week or whatever. I was like, I'll use my phone for all these meetings. I'm not that particular project I was on. I wasn't creating a lot of content. It was mostly right. like meetings and calls. So, uh, and then I lost my phone. I ended up getting it back from this super amazing taxi driver when I saw him later. Next, I mean, I knew where he is. He was. So I went and found him and bribed him and got it back from him. But you but, had to uh, bribe him. I didn't have to. I was but like. You just- you know, let's cut the bullshit. I'll give you 50 bucks. He's like, all right, get in the car. I'll go to my house. Like, you know. All right. And I was like, 50 bucks to get my iPhone back? And then I hugged him, made a video about it. (laughs) I love that you made a video about it. Yeah, because I was like, you know, it was, was, it's an Islamic country and he was like straight up like I I want, he's like, I wanted to wait a week at least to make in case of the chance that you came back. I mean, his his English wasn't that great, but I I consider that all because, you know, he's not a thief. He's not going to take it and sell it right away because he believes that that's going to negatively affect his chances to get into heaven or whatever. So, so there you go. So you worked it out. Worked it out, but uh, I don't remember what we were talking about. But being on the road and dealing with yeah. Tech. So I try to, uh, uh, but but yeah. No, when I'm not in an office, I'm less distracted. and I work much harder. Yeah. But that being said, the Tinder office is amazing here. The, ener- the energy is incredible. These are, are you all- here indefinitely, or is there a time frame? I'm here till January first, but I said I was only here till August first, and then the project got you know we did so well yeah. that we got green lighted. So we'll see what happens. Um, Hopefully, everybody that's listening goes out and downloads Crown on iOS. You can just search Crown on the App Store. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if, if we continue to grow like we are, I mean, we, um, then we'll probably roll out nationwide, and I'd be honored to be a part of the project. That's cool. But, uh, but you know, I'm not like a corporate guy. I'm not going to wear yeah. a suit and manage a team of 100 people. So we'll see how it would work out. Um, but do you go out in the field and talk to people about apps and stuff? How do you, how do oh, you get your – for like, Crown? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm eating – so – there's like three different tiers of companies that I work with. You know, if you're really, really early stage and all you can do is afford like a $200 phone call with yeah. me, then I do like strategy consulting for companies right. and I just give them everything I can for free in two hours on the phone or something. Right. And that's usually like at the very early stage, like they're bootstrapping with the founder's money like you and Jeb yeah. are, um, which you guys get for free, of course. But <laughs> All right. We'll but uh, uh, and then the second level is... They've raised some money, yeah, and um, they want maybe some training. Maybe they have a junior marketer, like a fresh grad or a yeah. college intern, and they'll fly me out to their office, and I'll charge you know a little bit of money for right. a week in the office training that person, and, and that person will then be like a hardcore startup grinder like me after that week. And the third level is they've just raised their A round or B round, and they've got millions of dollars, and they're they're ready to grow their marketing and they, you know, they're into uh, remote work and they know how yeah. much faster it is than having to go through a long HR process and have a culture fit that's going to work with the team. Right. That's why you hire someone remotely like, hey, Andrew, just fucking crush this and we're never even going to talk to you. Right. Or we'll talk like once a day for an hour or 20 yeah. minutes and that's it. And uh, those are my favorites. Yeah. And then the, the last final level is a project that's so huge that I'll drop everything and move to their city and work yeah. with them. And that's what this is. I mean, when Tinder and Match Group 
get in touch and they're like, hey, you want to move from Bali to L.A. and have an all expenses paid situation. Uh, situation in L.A. to like, you know, I've never been to L.A. before. I lived in San Francisco and Oakland yeah. for so long and I wanted to check it out. And this is, you know, an amazing company to be a part of. And um, uh, the I work for actually the internal incubator with Match Group. So they're churning out new dating apps. Yeah. So I'm literally like working with the biggest company that's changing the future of dating apps. Yeah. So they are open to new ideas. Like I, I've, I've thrown some ideas at the drawing board. And so it's a great uh, opportunity. So, you know, that doesn't really happen that much where... I'll just drop everything, but yeah. I, you know, if, if they meet all my demands and it's a right. great opportunity and I see a future working together, then I'll do that. So, and you're like in LA, I feel well, very proud of LA for making you like it. Well, I, everybody's like, you don't know LA. You're only in West Hollywood, but this fucking town is amazing. West Hollywood. Everybody out there. I don't know. I would imagine most of your listeners are probably in West Hollywood. I, but, the number of them probably are. But yeah. Uh, yeah, like take it from a world traveler. I've lived in like seven countries and all over California and uh, West Hollywood has its own incredible vibe. So much positivity here. I walk to work like dancing with my AirPods and people telling me like, you look amazing or you're, you're beautiful. Have a great day or whatever. And it's like, that's also why I love Oakland. It's it's not very diverse here, which is the only thing I don't like. I mean, it's like, like you know, the whitest dude town I've seen in California. Yeah. But it's just so many people that are self-made, that are doing their own thing, that have like, you know, like I said, you know, today's National Coming Out Day. And I posted about how much I respect my friends that have come out because, you know, just the, the amount of work you have to put in in this society to just be what the person you want to be. Right. I look up to that. And the same thing goes with people that start their own businesses and make it. And like, yeah, to be successful in life and in startups, you have to know you're doing the right yeah. thing when everyone else even tells you it's the wrong thing and just to keep pushing. And you, as my ex-girlfriend called it, um, seeing around the corner. And you know before seeing it, around the corner, so you have to see you have to know what's around the corner before yeah. anyone else is even there. So you're yeah. working, knowing what's at the end of yeah. that rainbow. See what I said there? I like that. <laughs> Bring it into the and uh, you got to be able to get there, or, yeah. you know, and work. And that's another reason why I don't like being a founder because once everything's not working, you know, for instance, these guys I worked with in Dubai had they copied Craigslist and added a profile functionality before there was OfferUp or all these other apps that have profiles now that are classified sites. Um, and they started it at the height of Dubai's elegance and they shared a room with bunk beds and they paid like a ridiculous cost to it. And they did like English copywriting for like two years. They made like no money, three or four years. They made no money. And their family was like, why are you poor in Dubai? You could come back and get a corporate job in Austin. Yeah. You know, why are you doing this? And they knew, no, when this hits, it's going to hit and we're going to make it. And they literally were broke for like five years and then I ended up joining as head of marketing and we blew it up across the Middle East. They raised money and they sold it for like $17 million. So it worked out. And they owned 100% of it. And in Dubai, you don't pay any taxes and stuff. I don't know what their situation was, but um, they, they, yeah, they retired for life. Has there that. ever been a project that you really believed in that just didn't come together? That just Absolutely. Oh my How God, so that? many, so many. So one, there's two kinds. One that I've been working at yeah. and two that I've been a power user of. And I can think of... the two on both sides but the two uh, first of all I love power users there's a lot of them around there's a lot of them on Grindr actually <laughs> well yeah you need you need those are your most as a startup that you're starting up those are the people you care about the most you get the feedback from them you invite them to the office you take them out for drinks right. you give them all the swag those are the people that are so loyal that they're it's like they work for you but they don't right. and um, we're finding that with the game there are people that are like that 
Really I want to be a power user. You're totally, yeah. you can totally be a power user. I've been connecting. I connected. Yeah. Are you going to do the game night on Sunday that I connected you to with Vivian? I emailed her. She never got back to me. She's famous. Sunday. You need to. You need to yeah. get back. Uh, you need to stay on top of her. But yeah, I, I reached out to her. I sent her the a link. Or I don't know. Nice. Okay. But um, so one of them was um, this Israeli startup was uh, it was called Credex, and they had a um, two sided marketplace where you could just barter. Your services, right? So, like, you could barter an interview in exchange, and you would charge a hundred credits right. for it. And then they made this fake currency that you could then use. So, if someone paid for you to make a podcast for them in credits, you could then use the credit to buy stuff. So, basically, it's a fully tax-free economy. Where you, right. it was in Oakland, um, they were Israeli, but I mean, they were. It was in Oakland. And uh, I was a power user on that site. So you were doing a lot of bartering. When I first became a marketing consultant, I was like, $100 credit, 100 credits for a one-hour consultation with small business owners, and I'll teach you all social media marketing, whatever. I met all these business owners, and I ended up getting like thousands of credits, and I got massages, like custom knives made. Um, That's amazing, and it's all sort of under the table, or it was all under the table. So it's acupuncture. I can't. I mean, like uh, uh, graphic design services. So much stuff. And but you're using your expertise. Yeah, and then the the idea. Yeah, and then the idea for them was that people could then buy credits if they wanted to. Like, oh, they're twenty short. They can buy it. So that's how they're going to make money. And they um, ended up getting incubated by a really famous guy who had sold a bunch of companies, and they just took everything he said. And did it, and he was totally wrong, and he drove the company into the ground, and they failed. And I was distraught because did, you, did they go under when you had cre- still? Uh, no, I had spent it all. You blew it all. I blew it all. I saw well the limit. Well, they had, they were <laughs> they were reaching out to me because yeah. I'm a power user and a yeah. startup marketer, so I was like in their office a lot, giving them free advice. And they're like, "We're going to change the name to Lettuce." And like different things like that. And I was like, "No, this is not what you should be doing. Don't change the name." They're like, "To well, Lettuce." Yeah, yeah. They were like. Credex sounds like a currency. I'm like, it is. Like, whatever. It is. So, I like Credex. So, yeah, so they failed. And so that was sad. And then what, the project, um, after that classified site sold, then I went, we copied daily deals in the Middle East, and that sold to Living Social. So I was re- on a high. I had been a part of two multi-million dollar exits in a year. And I um, joined this guy copying Yelp in the Middle East yeah. at zero, at ground zero. And I poured 75 hours a week of my life for two and a half years and I got it up to 600,000 monthly users, really famous brand in the Middle East. We were first page rank for any business. If you searched a restaurant, spa, gym, club, yeah. anything, we came up first on Google for, or on the first page at least, on Google. And it was, a re- I thought it was a great opportunity because it was self-funded by a really rich guy in Dubai yeah. who had gone to school in the U.S. and loved Yelp. And that's actually a terrible idea to work with someone who is the CEO who's also the investor and the advisor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's in a silo and no one can tell him shit. And he had a bunch of terrible ideas. And I was like, dude, you're killing this project. Like, we need to raise money, sell some of your equity. He's like, why? I'm rich. I don't understand why you're saying. I'm like, we need to bring in other investors that have networks and that have hiring capacity and that can, you know, come on and advise the project. So I tried to teach him how to be more SF. And I'll get into what that means in a second. And he just would not let go of any of the. He owned eighty five percent. I owned ten, yeah. and so he wouldn't um, let it go. And he didn't. He was like, "No, I'm not going to raise money until we're at a million users." That was like his benchmark. Yeah. And you know, we're 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 sta- we're stagnant at six hundred. We can't. We need to raise money. I need to get developers from the U.S. We had product issues. We had a dev, dev team in Pakistan. There's outage issues and all kinds of 
you know, bugs. And um, it was really sad. So I left. I, I told him, I was like, hey, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave. And he, you know, macho, I'm Arab, so I can say it's macho Arab style. Um, was like, fuck you, leave then. I'll find another you. And I was like, oh, okay. And I left. And like three weeks later, he just shut it all down. And not, no message. We had like 2 million email addresses. No message to the 100,000 Facebook followers. No, no landing page. Just shut it down. There was newspaper articles about it. Where did you dig go? You dig was the name. Like, you dig yeah. it? Yeah. So that was really sad because I didn't know what I was going to do with a two and a half year gap on my resume. Right. And so I moved to San Francisco where they understand what a failure is. Right. And it's actually looked at as a really good thing. I mean, there's so much learning there every time you fail. That's why I try to say there's no Is such... that true in San Francisco? They, they, they don't, they're not like, oh, what happened to those two and a half years? Not at all. They're like, yo, tell us what happened. And then you tell them, and they're like, okay. And so... Because they've all got stories and like the, that. Yeah, and I so... I think that's kind of true in LA a little bit, especially in show business. Right. And so the question isn't what happened. It's what did you learn to yeah. not do again? It's just like relationships, right? Yeah. I just had a, not failed, I had a four-year relationship end, and we're totally best friends. We talk like every day when I'm walking home from work, she's my homie, and other girls are having trouble understanding what that's like, because nobody has that ex uh, example, but I realized what happened, and now I'm growing from it. We're both growing from it and yeah. becoming better friends, and we kind of think maybe we should have just been friends in the first place, because we're like really good at just friends, and then the relationship thing, we weren't as great, but... Um, yeah, yeah, we, it's working out. We That's traveled awesome. all over the world together. We went to 35 countries together. She was my navigator. I was the captain. We were a total awesome You're just team. just doing the amazing race thing. Yeah, totally. She's Yeah, we're yeah. a great team. But um, So I think it's the same. As long as you learn from every failure, then there's no such thing as a failure. You either win or you get closer to winning with yeah. everything you do. And you, you've used the, uh, the SF uh, term. What is right. SF for? So, no, so San Francisco is – there's a reason why – um, seventy oh. percent of all the startup investment in the world. Although I've heard recent figures, it's getting reduced to fifty percent. But still, if imagine all half of all the investment in startups is in one city in the world, right. it's because well, it's because there's multiple generations of people doing it and reinvesting in young startups. But the people that really know how to win go there. And how to win is not to care about making money right away. It's to care about solving a problem and. You, Helping For users. People. Yeah, that's it. The people in San Francisco that are doing these startup projects, sure, they want to make money, and you can't really raise money without at least a plan to make money. You right. can. You can if you have crazy traction and you're showing that you're going to have terminal velocity and worry about making money later is, is a thing for early-stage startups. But the majority of them are people that are solving a problem, usually for themselves in the beginning. Like, So I tried to do this. I realized it didn't exist. I created this solution. People liked it. We're iterating on it. We're getting closer. And uh, outside, and so I really say there's like three levels of startups. There's San Francisco and Silicon Valley, the rest of the U.S., and then the rest of the world. And the, the, lower, the, the rest of the world is so far from that ethos that that's why that most startups fail outside of the U.S. They don't have the mindset of like... They don't have the mindset of thinking like, first about the money and... Yeah, oh, I want to make... I want to be a startup founder because I want to be like Mark Zuckerberg. I want to be yeah. like somebody else. And whereas in the Bay Area, it's like I want to fucking change the world and solve these problems. Right. And I don't care how we make money. I'll, I, you know, like, we'll figure that out later. We'll figure that out after... You know, I'm just... Usually it's... We're just into building this yeah. solution that's going to help people do this. So I had a call this weekend with a... A telemedicine company, and they were like, "We never really thought about the, how much money we're going to make because we're focused on making things cheaper." Yeah. So, like, you know, you sign up on the app, and it's like, you know, I use the example that is applicable to me is um, 
men's hair loss pills for 25 bucks a month. Boom, you just do a, t a quick five minute FaceTime with the doctor, you bend over, you show them the bald spot that right. we, we both have, right. and uh, you get this prescription for 25 bucks a month instead of having to go to a doctor, make an appointment, do all that. Yeah. So they're just focused on helping people. Yeah, and solving problems. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Um, somebody that I encountered in my entrepreneurial course that I that was a part of, they talked about entrepreneurialism as a spiritual thing. Like it's something that, like, uh, th that leap of faith is something that, that it's not all business. There's a component to it that's about, I don't know, that it's te te testing in a way that, that is existential in a way or, um, soul related is any of what I, anything i'm saying making any sense to you yeah definitely i think yeah. that um when you're especially as a founder like it's your life you're married to that project it is like your your biggest thing you know it's your marriage it affects everything that you do and uh and usually first 10 employees your first employees are you know they buy into that cult they yeah. buy into the message from the founder like they buy into the dream right you know it's because they have to be willing to put their whole life into it as well uh, maybe even up to 20 employees or even 50. Um, but but yeah, I mean, it's definitely different than just going to a company for 20 years and being a number and if you're expendable right. and you can you know just be a cog in the wheel. You're, if you're at a startup, you are extremely valuable. You are extremely important. And uh, you have to live the project, you know, it's eat, sleep, and breathe it 24-7. Yeah. There you go. Why are you good at what you do? What is it about your personality, your attributes? I have the highest energy level of anyone in the world, straight up. It's it's terrible for relationships, but it's you great for work. You do seem like, yeah, go, go, go. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I walk, I, I go to like clubs in West Hollywood. People are like, yo, where do you get your Coke? I'm like, yeah. I've never done cocaine. They're like, what? Is it coffee? I'm like, no, I don't do coffee. They're like, the fuck? Yeah. Like, then they just go, oh man, you must be weird. Like, and then they just right. go away. But luck, I would probably be dead if I didn't find a successful outlet to like work wise. Right. You just have a lot of energy. Ton of energy. And, uh, you know, it was really t difficult in high school. And then I got to college and realized that parties and night nightlife and events are where my passion was. And then I got into startups and realized, you know, when you're at an early stage startup, there's no limit to the amount of work there is. Right. And if you're passionate about it and you can put in a 12 hour day, but be anywhere in the world or whatever, yeah. then, um, then it, it works out. So yeah, like I can go out till four in the morning and wake up at eight and put in a 12 hour work day. And you know, I try to sleep eight hours, but I don't really, but, but yeah, so the energy level, um, you know, I, I know scientifically that multitasking is pretty bullshit because yeah. it takes so much brain power to jump between things. Right. But I'm really good at doing multiple things, at least maybe in one day. And so, but you can have different projects going at once. That's that's a big deal in startups, especially early stage. I mean, yeah. like we're doing this podcast. Before this, I was on a call about flyer handing out yeah. companies, and so you know, talking with campus ambassadors, and <coughs> then doing paid ads yeah. earlier than that. So I do a million things a day. And, um, but the energy plus experience, plus I think startups are pretty informal. Like the first startup interview that I went to was that classified site with those two American guys in Dubai yeah. that sold. I wore like a three piece suit to the interview and they're, right. they're in like sandals and a t-shirt and they're like, yeah. what the fuck are you wearing, bro? And I was like, I don't know. I thought it's a high, it's like a director level job. I thought yeah. it was serious. And they were like, go home, change and come back for the interview. They told you to go home yeah. and come back. Yeah. Did you come back in jeans and a t-shirt? Came back in jeans and a t-shirt with yeah. sandals. And then, the, yeah. And then like, I don't know if it was that time. I think I got the job after that interview. What if they just kept sending you back? 
We don't like the sandals. Go back. Go back. Come right. back. No, that shirt's that don't, that's a weird no, color. And then, you know, like that, that company was, uh, you know, I learned a lot there, but yeah. they were had a villa on the beach and it was like a house that we all worked yeah. in, which is pretty standard in SF yeah. as well. A lot of people rent apartments and just work out of the apartment. Yeah. Um, but that was on the beach. And so like lunchtime, we're, we're going to surfing and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I will easily put in a 12-hour workday when I'm having fun. Yeah. As opposed to like, uh, I got to get – I never yeah. – not once in my life have I ever been like, fuck, I got to go to work. Damn it. Because I just won't. I'll work from home or yeah. if it's like a bad day or yesterday I didn't feel good. I went home at like at like 1.30 and yeah. I still work till 6 p.m. Like I wasn't watching the clock. I'm like, fuck, I got this yeah. much to do. And then when I stop, when I feel like – I've contributed enough to like get to, enough shit done for yeah. my, myself. It's got to yeah. get done eventually, so. So you might as well do it. Um, you travel around, you're working. Paint a picture for me. You're working somewhere, you look up on your laptop, and you see something beautiful and exotic and foreign. What is it? Yeah, well, I mean, I love working near the beach and over the o- ocean. So last week I was in Puerto Vallarta, and um, I worked on the balcony from my apartment, and, you know, watching, like, boats and ships come in. But I'm pretty focused. I, like, you know, this is what I say to people. Um, you know, so earlier this year, I lived on an island in Thailand. Like, really not even famous. Like, you wouldn't even yeah. heard of it. It's called Kokud. And uh, I had to, like, walk 500 meters to go get my Wi-Fi. There was no cell phone reception or Wi-Fi in my little hut on the water. Like, it was, right. like, st- on sticks, like, you know, Microsoft desktop picture. Right. But when I'm 500 feet away, I'm right on the beach with my Wi-Fi, and, you know, I'm still working, like, six hours before even getting up and going and swimming. And when people are like, oh, I would love to work on the beach, I'm like, you can't do it unless you can really sit there and ignore what's going on the right. beach and work for, yeah. like, six hours. Get the, the A lot of people can't handle that, you know, yeah. and they'll go surfing at noon and be like, fuck work for the rest of the day. So you got to be able to, that's another thing I have. I'm like super self-disciplined. Yeah, you put in the time. Put in the time. But it's about it's about finding something yeah. that you really love. I mean, I'm not going to, I hate to quote Steve Jobs and be super cliche, but he was like, if you find something that you love to do and you, that's your work, then you never work a day at all in your yeah. life. And that's what I feel like. I mean, like, um, there's another stat, like entrepreneurs, are the only people that'll work 80 hours to not work 40 hours. Yeah, for somebody that's else, true. you know what I mean, and that's that's the way that I am. Sense. Like, I don't even know how much I work because I work twenty four seven. Well, every day. I think if you're, I've been doing a bit of reading on positive psychology in the last couple of years. Engagement is a big factor in people's happiness. So if right. you're engaged, your overall happiness is a certain level. Right. So if it's twelve hours, if it's eight hours, if you're in it, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's, for me also, the knowing that they're like temporary projects and there's like a finish there's line that yeah. I'm gonna, I have to win, and then it's like a. It's a fucking yeah. contest for me. I want to win it. So, so you know, as opposed to if you're in like the trenches of the same thing yeah. for like ten years, you just want to kill yourself. Um, you know, then talk to me if that's you out there. Reach out to me, and I'll, you'll help. You'll, you'll yes, find another road. For sure. When was the moment that was like a full on rush of like success, or I don't know if if it's a champagne popping moment or a mo- moment that felt like a real victory? Oh my god! So I've been a part of three companies that have sold for multi millions. And every time it's like, insane. how do you get the news? Does somebody um, announce it? Do you get an email? Yeah, like so. the The biggest one was when Living Social bought, well, yeah. not money wise, but the biggest one, like Fanfare, was when Living Social bought this Daily Deal website that we had been grinding twenty four seven on. It was super competitive, like Lyft Uber competition with another company in the region. And so, like you know, we would badmouth them in the paper, then they would badmouth us, and we you know, like back and forth or whatever. And um, 
the founder like maybe a month before he's like hey i just want to let you guys know we've been in talks with this company and this might happen you're, like, you're not going to lose your jobs if you hear about it from someone like whatever but like we didn't know what was gonna happen and then like he came in one day he's like so tomorrow you're gonna see in the paper we've been acquired and everyone's like holy fuck oh my god does everybody in the company then get a get a bonus or get not unfortunately not in the middle east they yeah. weren't they weren't there yet but um, I I got some money because I was literally like in charge of the market. I mean, like I'm yeah, part of the reason right. why they got bought. But I didn't get like what you would get in San Francisco, where it's a much more mature market, where they know to take care of your first ten employees. Um, so you know, normally in in Dubai, there isn't there's a, there's been less than five exits ever in Dubai. I've been a part of two of them myself. Right. And well, yeah, you get I, like I three months salary or something. I was reading your website. Exit is when you exit, about like you sell. you sell. You sell and you get the fuck out. And you take yeah. the money and run. Yeah, as a founder, usually you sell and then you get you get um, hired by the company. It yeah. depends on what happens. They either buy you out and close down the project. Right. And they, they do what's called an accu hire and they'll just take the talent and put them in. Now you guys work for us. Or they'll do um, an, an act, um, they'll like, you know, just take you on and you yeah. now work there. Like, so Tinder is bought by Match Group. Yeah. And now Tinder is owned by Match Group. And a lot of the same employees are still here. Right. Um, but the founders stayed for like two years and then they left and got paid out yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. And, um, uh, that's kind of what Jeb and I would be considering if there was a publisher that wanted to manufacture our game, you know? No, do don't we? fucking ever sell that. No, don't. You don't need to. No. We do it. Well, this is our separate conversation. Yeah, but, but you don't need that because for that, all it is is paid ads. You, I think yeah. you own that forever until someone wants, until Mattel wants to outright buy it or something. Right. And then you just fucking be like, all right, hundred million dollars buy our game or whatever. Can I just tell you, one of my friends who's a, been a consultant with, with some marketing stuff for me, really helpful, uh, such a cheerleader. She sent me a photo of the Cards Against Humanity display in Target. It's gigantic. It's like a whole end cap yeah. with all these different versions. I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, that's massive. So, yeah. Anyway, well, they're bar. yeah they're ahead. They're pretty far into the yeah. game, and they've done really good with their like. They yeah. do funny stuff at holiday times. Like yeah. they're actually a really cool company too. I'm pretty yeah. sure they're a remote company. The whole company is remote because I, I I've seen some of their jobs posted. Yeah, amazing job posts. They're hilarious. Obviously, yeah. they're they're like incredible writers at the right. company. So they write hilarious job posting yeah. but they do like funny pranks at Christmas yeah. and holidays and stuff um, so a cool company but um, I think they're a startup still like, yeah, they're like I, less they're, than 30 employees they, or something they're independent still I don't think they yeah, just yeah. sold to anyone yeah, else yeah, yeah. so that's what I'm saying you don't need to it's yeah. all about just ads yeah alright separate conversation yeah. um, why do you love it what you do um, I like to I like to have a lot of responsibility I like to, like I said, work on a bunch of different things. Like I have attention deficit disorder. And so startups are like exciting. So you get that adrenaline all the time, yeah. but you're also working on so many different things that it's never mundane or boring. Obviously the like threat of death at any time is exciting too. Like the, 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 the failure. The danger not, of yeah, crashing so the, and burning. Yeah. The danger, but also the adrenaline yeah. of winning and um, and also just the lack of bullshit. So like nobody cares about what you wear or what race you are or um, your sex or your age. I mean, there's a dude. And there's sort of not a, there's there's a dude. Not, yeah. There's a dude at Tinder that is in his late 50s. Yeah. And. Um, Has he seen you, anybody? <laughs> no, not your type. Not your type. His ears are too small. No, no. He, yeah. I mean, he's definitely married. He's, he's yeah. uh, definitely like a super religious, right. uh, normal uh, Israeli dude. But he wears like a suit to work. He d eats by himself. You know, he's really, really cool guy. I've, I've 
forced him to talk to me many times <laughs> because I just see I see like he must be so badass at his job because he's obviously not like a culture fit for the company yeah. or whatever. But like that's it. It's a meritocracy. If you're fucking amazing, and he's a uh, security engineer, so he's literally stopping hackers yeah. from around the world from penetrating Tinder and stealing people's data. And so he must be so yeah. good that you know. And so that's what I love about startups. Like I tell, I try and successfully do get so many friends into tech that are having trouble getting a job because companies take three months to hire. Startups move quick. If there's a culture fit and you have the background and the resume to prove that you know how to do what you do and you can agree to financial terms, boom, you'll get hired. So yeah. I always tell people to go work with startups. Um, the only risk is with early stage startups that they go out of business yeah. often, like 90% of the time. Do you? How hard is it to keep up with technology and what's changing and what the kids are into? And how, how much of a... a, a just keep up. You mean as an end user? Yeah. Or like as, as a, someone in as Somebody who's marketing or like, oh. even for me, like uh, as someone who sort of has a layman's yeah, so idea marketing, of social Marketing tech-wise, I, I probably spend um, a few days every month on like blogs and, you know, like I actually spend most of my time giving back and rather than yeah. asking, you know, young marketers are off more, uh, more often than not asking me for advice. Right. So a lot of the same principles apply, but like for instance, influencer marketing, like Instagram influencer marketing yeah. is getting really big. So I've only spent like the last year researching and working on that. Kind of getting up to speed on but that. But I'm already like way far ahead. Of, obviously in LA, this is the epicenter of influencer yeah. marketing and I've already launched a bunch of campaigns for this dating app doing it. So I'm already lecturing on that now. So Right. And, so and you like learning the new stuff. You're like, yeah. it's not like, oh fuck, one more thing. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. No, like... If you ever get to that point, then you're doing the wrong thing with your time right. anyway. So, but MarTech, as they call it, like marketing technology, yeah. is um, really not that um, aggressive. It doesn't yeah. really up change that often. Yeah. Like a lot of people will try make a new tool. I'll try it for a week for free or whatever, and then I realize the old tool is still better. Yeah. Um, but the number one problem in marketing is mobile attribution. What that means is that the tracking and quantitative analytics of mobile marketing is really bad still. And so behind on that, and that needs to get better. So for instance, if you're running a bunch of different campaigns to this mobile app, tracking what's working is still really fractured and fragmented yeah. and, and it's not great. You don't always know. All right, here's some questions you picked from the observation deck. What's your best random celebrity sighting? I worked out with Will Ferrell like three days ago in the gym. Nice. In West Hollywood, so pretty cool. Was he, was cool? Wearing, he was wearing Saturday Night Live stuff. Really? Yeah, and that's I, yeah. so good. And I was lifting more weight than him, and he's like six four or something. That's I was like, kind of cool. Yeah. Did you chat with him? Was not really. No, yeah. like, yeah, you let him do his thing. You know, like, I'm not that. I, you know, when I first got here a few months ago, I'm like, oh my god, there's a celebrity, yeah. there's a celebrity. Now I'm like, they're everywhere. Yeah. I don't even yeah. care. I'd rather not be that person. So you know, like a quick fist bump, and that's it. Yeah, there you go. Where were you when you heard that Michael Jackson had died? Um, I was in Harlem. With a girlfriend, uh, visiting, like we uh, were on vacation in New York, and we were in Harlem, and the town just went crazy. All of a sudden, there were all these people in the streets selling Michael Jackson stuff. Like they had it waiting, ready, like white gloves, jackets with airbrushed Michael Jackson on it. They did this thing at the Apollo Theater. Obviously, that's like where you know yeah. he had a big that where he debuted the moonwalk and stuff. They had like a vigil there, and we were there for that. But it was crazy because I don't know That's if you remember. That's an incredible place to be. That was the last time that the worldwide internet crashed. Do you know that? I didn't that was, know that. Yeah, because the internet can only handle like one-sixth, I think, of the earth on the internet at once. So a billion right. people. No, less than that. Because the a billion people have connectivity to the internet, but we all can't be searching at the same time. You know, 
living here for so long that LA has like the worst internet connection for a developed city I've ever seen in the world. Really? I don't know if you agree, but I mean, I've I don't never seen compare it to. I've never seen worse speeds of internet for a like a major city in my whole life. That's because of so many people on the internet constantly streaming and doing fucking snaps and whatever. It's because of how much usage. Oh my God. It's like, you know, anywhere else, if anyone listening, if you ever go to like a major festival or concert or stadium or football game or whatever, and you know your phone doesn't work, it's because everyone's sapping the limited bandwidth of that land, local network or whatever. Um, So, forget what you were talking about. Michael Jackson. Yeah. So he did that for the whole earth because everyone went to Google to like talk to friends or confirm that it was real. So yeah, that was crazy. Wow. What word do you always misspell or mistype? So embarrassing. I cannot spell the word guarantee. Don't ask me to do it. I won't it. spell it. I just I depend. I depend. What? I won't ask you. No, I depend on uh, yeah. the spell check for that. Yeah. G-U-A-R-A-N-T-E-E. Is I think that that's right? right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I, always... I really, really struggle. I mean, like when I write it out, I just fuck it, type it out quick and yeah. use the spell check. Thanks, Grammarly. I know. I uh, struggle with embarrassed. I can't spell that either. Because uh, there's two R's and two S's. Now I kind of have to know it. And I always type beautiful wrong. I know how to spell it, but I always type it wrong. <laughs> at least you're saying it to someone. I know. <laughs> it feels like good to vent. What's the craziest thing you've ever done? No, I mean, at least you're telling people they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Beautiful. What's the craziest thing you've ever done in pursuit of a crush? Um, I thought that this personal trainer girl on Instagram was like just so incredible and more than just like looks and she was entrepreneurial right she's a concert cellist and she's just super badass and she had her phone number on her Instagram for to book personal training sessions yeah so I saved her number in my phone to see if it was an iPhone and I FaceTimed her on a Friday night of course she didn't answer and I was like whatever I don't lose anything then later at night I was home like about to go to bed and she FaceTimed me back drunk and we had an hour-long conversation, and she thought I was amazing, and we ended up having some dates and some things happened, and it was that's fantastic. But like, she was so like, you, if you Facetimed her, she doesn't have to answer, right? She was like, she didn't answer. She was out getting drunk, and then so when she got what did home, she see? Just that somebody Facetimed. She's like this random number, local number, because so she I calls was you home, back. But there's home. no way to leave a message with Facetime or no, anything like that. No, and I didn't text her like, yeah. hey, this is a random stalker dude yeah. who Facetime you. She's just like, who Facetime me? She was like, me. oh, it must be important. So she Facetime, and most anyone out there, you probably never got a Facetime from a number you don't yeah. know because who does that? Right. And she answered. She so I answered, and she was like, hey, do I know you? And I was like, no, but. Jasmine, you should not have your number on Instagram. I'm a I'm a startup marketer. I you know like I, I yeah. also help people with reputation management online, yeah. and it's dangerous to have your number. And she's like, why? And I was like, because you could have stalkers FaceTime you at random times of night. And then she like giggled and yeah. went and got a giant glass of water and started chugging it. And we talked for like ever about like she was graduating college and her business and all of her businesses. And she's she's also a realtor and like a super badass chick. And uh, yeah, we were actually just talking today. We're still in touch. So was she based um, in LA? She was for a little bit. Yeah. I didn't meet her here though. She yeah. was actually in my hometown in Ohio. Oh, okay, I love that. That was a good gamble. It paid off. Really? It What's sure something did. you're good at that might surprise people? Um, singing. I am. I am a good singer, but I am the world's best pickup artist. I don't even use any pickup lines, but. And I'm not even talking about just hitting on people. You can go to a bar and pick any person. I actually make it a game at networking events. Yeah. And I can go up to any person and talk to them and make them my friend. No matter how. So I'll go up and I'll usually like bet people drinks. Like pick anyone and I'll make them laugh and come over and hang out with us. And it's not like cheesy lines. Right. I'll make a friend of anyone in this thing. And if it works, you have to buy my drink. Or 
or I'll be like, if I, if it works, then I get to pick someone for you. Yeah. So like my superpower is I can go up to anyone. Like when I was in Mexico, we were drinking one night in Mexico and the Malacan is like the boardwalk in this area. Right. And, um, there was a group of surly, unapproachable gentlemen and they were like, Oh, let's move out of the way of these guys. And I speak really good, really good Spanish. And I was like, no, watch this. And they're like, no, no, Andrew, don't talk to these guys. They're like dangerous. Like they thought, I don't know. They thought they were like narcos or something. Right. And I went up and I said a bunch of funny stuff and they were like loving me. And we ended up chatting for like 30 minutes with them and they cheers. And we talked about like life and all this. And they were like, dude, you're crazy. Cause they could have just punched you in the face right. without even asking whatever. But I'm like, like, so they like, you know, recognize that I, yeah. Just a nice guy trying to talk to them, whatever. Yeah. So that's that's my superpower. You come across very charming and genuine. Thank you. I will say that. Uh, what's something you're surprisingly bad at? On the flip side. Oh my god, I can't be quiet ever. You can't just be quiet. That that the the number one thing I love about yoga class is yeah. that I have to be quiet for like an hour. It's like this yeah. massive relaxation for my brain. Yeah. But you know, like go on dates or meet people, or even when I do a work meetings. You know, like I was in sales for a little bit before I was in marketing or when it was my own startup and, you know, co-founder or people I work with are like, yo, the best salespeople just listen and let the client sell themselves. Yeah. Go to the meeting. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this. I got this. Yeah, I got go it. to the meeting. I just talk for an hour yeah. and lose the client. <laughs> I did it. Here's just what you guys need. You need to do this. Blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, and they're like, well, thanks for, thanks yeah. for that, Andrew. Um, I think we're going to go somewhere else. So, so that, that is uh, unfortunately thing. something I'm trying to work on. I went on a little double date thing last night. And the, the feedback from the young lady was like, you're amazing, you're hilarious, you're super cute, but fuck, you never shut up. Right. So I was like, yeah. But I, I love that she gives you feedback. That I, was the girl that you were on the date with? Last night, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're going out again tomorrow yeah. night, so it's going to be, I mean. She's on. It's on. It's yeah. on. But, I, but it's embarrassing to me. I just can't shut up. I yeah. feel like I always have something to say. Well, that's all right. Um, what article of clothing or accessory have you gotten the most comments on? I have this... Um, orange and gray poncho type like mexican style jacket right. that i got right. from a i used to do if you ever seen the show storage wars in oakland yeah, in yeah, san yeah. francisco i buy storage lockers and go through them and just thrift or donate or sell online all the you, stuff you as a side as hobby. A, as a hobby yeah because yeah. i work for my laptop like so if yeah. there's an auction at 11 a.m nobody can i can go and so my strategy was i would buy the ones that nobody bought they're full of trash and it's like a yeah. dollar and then I'd go back home, go finish my work, and come back in an evening and clean it out. And uh, um, I found there was one. It was actually five trans women that unfortunately became homeless. I found out from all their stuff being in there. And, but they had fucking amazing style. Wow. Actually, not none of the stuff I'm wearing right now, but I have a lot of their clothes. Like, no, man, like, you know, it sounds crazy. But, <laughs> but I truly believe that all the American style comes really from the gay and trans community in the beginning, right. especially in the black gay and trans community yeah and so like they had some fucking awesome shit i mean obviously a lot of it you didn't not... find out until like after the fact that who the well when i was going through it i found yeah. out and then you know this, i became friends with the manager of the yeah. place and i'm like fuck they're like can i give them back stuff and you're like no it's like totally illegal to contact them or whatever i'm like fuck so um but i yeah i hope they're all right now but, but anyway so i got this amazing like poncho jacket thing and finally it's cold enough in la for me yeah. to wear when are you gonna it? rock it i gotta see it yeah actually it's at a girl's place yeah. she, she, so it was cold when i first moved yeah. here so weird in la it was freezing in june right. 
when I moved here. Yeah. The first month it was freezing every night in June, and now it's just starting to get chilly again. So is it like a jacket, or is it more like a poncho where you have? Your I'm saying it looks like that. You know yeah. the style, like a yeah, Mexican yeah, yeah. poncho. It's that style, but yeah. it's a jacket. Yeah. But it's like really baggy. It's kind of like yeah. you know, like the, the sleeves are like down to here. I like, like that. So it's really baggy and it's like orange. And but I walk down the street in Oakland or San Francisco or here, and people are like, "Oh my god, that jacket's amazing!" I'm like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, I'm not. I'm a minimalist. I don't really have stuff. You were talking to me about when you travel, you take very little. I own not just take. I own less than one check bag of clothes. So that's my one jacket. Yeah, uh, these are my one pair of jeans. Yeah, and yeah, All these right. are my one pair of black shoes. I have a yeah. pair of brown shoes, but I'm gonna cut down to just one pair of shoes. Entirely. Minimalism. Yeah, it's about like travel, and I just don't care about shit anymore so one thing <laughs> one thing is a huge love of thrifting and the yeah. storage lockers when your shit is super cheap even if even if it's amazing like i mean everything that i own is pretty high end i just yeah. got it for a dollar or something right. you know but um when it's really cheap you have no emotional connection to it because i like i don't care if i ruin these pair of jeans yeah. these were like five bucks i don't right. care and uh so and i can give it away i'm like super generous with my stuff like if people comp when I was in Mexico again, the previous time, like a month or two ago, I was at a bar and the guy was like, "Wow, I love that wallet." I was like, "Here, take it. I don't want it. I don't care. I have no value for any of my belongings." And is that a recent change? Or is that like the last couple of years? Like yeah. the minimalism thing has been coming. I mean, I've been downsizing forever, but I've never had a, I've never had a lease on an apartment. Right. I've never owned furniture. I've only had a car for like two years of my whole life. Right. And uh, that was when I was in Dubai and I was really into desert driving. So I had a big sure. Jeep just for the weekends in the desert. But um, yeah, I'm like anti-stuff. I'll never own anything. And I, you know, like I don't want to. I'm, I'm struggling with the idea of ever like buying property and settling down. Like right. I know it's a good decision financially, but like I hate the idea of like certainty. Yeah. You know, so. Interesting. All right. How can people find out more about what you do? You can connect with me at Andrew Startups on anything. Um, that's probably the easiest. Instagram, at Andrew Startups. Um, Twitter, whatever. It's andrewstartups.com. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Any startup project, anybody that needs advice can message me. My email is me at Andrew Startups if you want some free advice. Um, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. A final question. Why... Why do you like entrepreneurs? Is there something about the people? Is are they different than other people, or is there something Absolutely. that is there something that um, unites them in a way? Yeah, the same reason I said I really love my LGBTQ friends is like people that will ignore what anyone else is saying and do whatever it takes to be to do what they want and live the life that they want, and you know go against the social norm. Like it's a lot of people that are founder startup founders have a lot of the same experiences that people that like come out like people their parents they fight with yeah, their parents yeah what are you doing that's tell them that they're stupid like yeah. you're, you're you're how would you go against our wishes we right. paid for your college why are you doing this you're dropping out right. of college a lot of people you know so like it's a lot of people that um see around the corner as Atia yeah. Reed my ex-girlfriend said um see around the corner and um you know do whatever the fuck they want and then ends up paying off i mean um, and that's what I really look up to in general in life. It's people that don't care, don't give a shit about what anyone else says. I'm going to live my life, this one life that I have the way I want to live it. And I look up to that. I love it. Well, I'm so glad I got to meet you at that thing. And thank you for sharing some of your expertise and your thank advice you. and doing the podcast. For sure. Bud. Check out his thank website, you. man. Cheers. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Andrew Miller for doing the podcast. He's also given me some great advice for the game when we start to get it out there. Um, all right, so this happened. I mentioned in the last podcast 
about Imagine Life, the podcast that I started writing for. It's a Wondery podcast. Um, it launched a couple of weeks ago, maybe. There's been three episodes. Uh, my episode that I wrote is the second one called The Daydreamer. And the reason I'm mentioning is, is it's blowing up. Like, there are already over a thousand reviews on iTunes, um, 1,071 ratings on iTunes, and 986 of them are five stars. And then if you read what people have written, they just love it. And I'm, I'm so happy that I'm involved in something that people like and, uh, and that are, that's reaching people. And it's, uh, every episode takes you through the, the journey of a famous person that, you know, but you don't know, you don't know who it is until the end. And it's written in the second person. So everything is directed to you. So you, you feel like you're the person you walk through the hallway. You're so nervous, you know? And, um, the voiceover actors or the actors that do it, uh, Virginia Madsen does the women and a voice actor named Robbie Diamond does the um, the guys. And he's amazing and she's amazing. And um, it's so cool to be involved in something that people are loving. And I've listened to all of them. I've listened to the ones that I didn't write. And I cry. People cry listening to this podcast. I, I, uh, I, I kind of had a meltdown. Um, after the third episode, it really moved me. So check it out if you haven't already. Um, I'm really proud to be involved in it. I just turned in my second script. They're hard work. That's why I haven't been doing a lot of podcasts lately is because they're pretty demanding to write these scripts. But it's um, fulfilling and and uh, fun and people are loving it. So check it out if you haven't already. All right, that's all I have for this week. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.